my favorite could we kiss is uh, drives me crazy to this day. I want to throw my phone at the TV every time I see it. The Top Gun scene where he leans in and she's in the elevator and then he just like walks away. And I'm like, oh, you're such a jerk. <laughs> because he like leans so close up and, and she's all like, oh, yes, kiss me. And then he's like, okay. And like turns and walks away and like, uh, and does it purposely. Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about. Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy, and it's silly, and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco, and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, (laughs) see what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Paris Winters is a multiracial author who writes steamy and sweet love East Coast stories that celebrate our diverse world. She is the author of Hearts Unleashed, the Navy Seals of Little Creek series, Love on the Winter Steps, and Called into Action. When she's not dreaming up stories, she can be found assisting with disasters and helping to find missing people as a search and rescue canine handler. Paris resides on Long Island in New York with her family. For fun, she enjoys video games, hockey, and diving into new experiences like flying planes and taking trapeze lessons. Paris is also a graduate of Loyola University, Chicago. Paris, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Steam Scenes. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is super crazy. You have a bio and a half. I'm like, wow. (laughs) Like you're an adventurer, I'm guessing. Yes, I I like to try new things. And it's funny because, um, you know, everybody says, Oh, you risk take, you know, you're an adventurer. And my husband will stand there and be like, "Uh, Yeah, no, she does these things, she researches them to death. And then it's like the not like, you know, balls to the wall and not safety, Sam, I'm like right in the middle. So I do (laughs) things, but I do things cautiously. But at the same point, I finished them. My husband's just like, yeah, throw ourselves out of a plane. Okay, gotcha. Bye. See ya. And he's like <laughs> out the door. I stand there going, okay, well, um, sir, did you, when was this last checked? Are you sure everything's okay? All right, now let's jump. I mean, I guess, is it fair to say that you're an adrenaline junkie? Yes. Yeah, that has always, I guess, been my thing. I was never like the drinker or anything like I mean you know in in college I'd be like go to these parties and have water (laughs) but then I would be like the person you wanted somebody to dare to do something yeah hands down I'm in (laughs) okay that's really cool I mean I imagine that this has served you well as a writer uh, yes, I haven't used everything. I mean, some of the things, I guess there's like a sense of humor and stuff that I find that I'm like other people might think is crazy. So I really haven't hit that. Oh, well, yeah, I'll throw this out there, um, you know, to see if it's to see what people think. Like my one of my um, college roommates and I like to this day, we still talk about we had there was one, two, three, there were four of us living in an apartment building. And, um, you know, you always have like that one roommate that like, just doesn't clean, like they'll, you know, cook things and they'll you know eat use the plates and then just like leave them so we got so angry one time 
that three of us decided we were going to stage that our um, apartment was robbed um, and that we were home. So we had the people from downstairs come tie us up. Like we wrecked everything. Like we destroyed picture frames. This poor girl had like three finals in a row, comes home, sees this disaster area. We totally played it out. And then, you know, she ran downstairs, was trying to call 911. They're like, no, no, give us our phones back. We totally were dying laughing. She was upset. And then I'll never forget, my one roommate just looks at her, puts her hand on her hips, and she goes, well, next time, do your dishes. And like, walks away. (laughs) I mean, that is a little extreme. (laughs) Oh, it is. I was just down for the prank. I thought it was cool. (laughs) I mean, that is kind of like, that's kind of intricate that's some intricate planning going on there oh it was it was that's perfect actually I absolutely love it <laughs> so yeah it's like the things you learned in college that yeah. I le- I never knew what how to penny lock a door I never even knew what it was and then I learned that um you know it's like hysterical like the things you learn in college <laughs> well I, I feel like now I feel like college was useless I didn't learn any of that stuff <laughs> Oh, my education was completely useless. What was I thinking? <laughs> did you, Now, were you a writing major in college? Like, is that what you no, did? No, I wasn't. I was actually um, a bio major, a pre-med. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how did, how did you come to writing? Um, I always, I, I remember from elementary school, I always liked, um, I guess it was it was a fourth grade. We did this journalism thing, and then there were other like writing things I enjoyed. Um, but it was never like I would say a passion at that point. I was always really in love with animals. Wanted to be a veterinarian, or uh, wow. I'm hu- a huge science geek. Um, so really into like genetics and stuff like that. Um, you know, went to school for that. I always just kind of wrote. Like I guess it was in high school more poetry. Okay. Um, then in college, it was fiction, but like, you know, by myself, never really wrote for anybody else. I'm, you know, fanfic stuff. And um, then I started learning about how to write picture books um, and the use of words and all that stuff. And I remember I wrote my first now, uh, I guess, novel full length. Um, and it was just something I did for fun. And it really, it actually had to do with a couple of friends and my experience doing dog rescue and the funny things, you know, um, you know, we encountered and stuff like that. And right. then from there, I just kind of went along this story, that story. And then I guess somewhere along the line, I'm like, oh, I, you know, traditional publishing sounds interesting. Why don't I try this? <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So how did you, how did you get into the, the dog, the dog rescue, the search and rescue with the canines? Oh, Cause that's so, really interesting. Yeah. Um, I remember I saw this, I want to say it was lifetime TV um story that had you know my mom was watching and I walked by and I, I don't necessarily know if it I eh, know it was appropriate it wasn't anything really bad it was kind of like one of those murder mystery that had like a search and rescue dog built into it for some odd reason um but I remember that was the first time I saw it and then obviously being a New York native um you know you had 9-11 right. um but even before that when I was in college I kind of understood and knew about it Um, but it was more of a timing thing, um, you know, in terms of the amount of time you need to put into it and all that. And then eventually just, it all fell into place. Um, so, you know, it was one of those things, I guess, from high school 
I always had in the back of my mind, like, oh, yeah, that would be fun to do. You know, knew about military canine, police canine. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, I imagine that doing that work informs your writing. Yes. Um, it, it full, let's see, Search and Rescue has come into, into I'd say like three books. Um, the Little Creek series, two of the characters um, do Search and Rescue, but more um, high angle, so like mountain stuff. Okay. Um, and then Called Into Action is the actual true focused one that is on Search and Rescue um, that involves the canine handler. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Because I imagine the with I mean with your knowledge base in you know in search and rescue, and I assume you're working often with law enforcement, and you know so you're probably around that a lot. Um. Yes and no. So okay. I have both a live find and a cadaver dog. Um. So it really depends on um with search and rescue who's in charge of a scene. What is the scene? Is okay. it a missing hunter? So is that on state parkland? Is state park involved, or is the cop involved, or is um the fire department involved? It's like one of those three usually. Wow. See, even that is sort of like, you know, I think search and rescue dog, immediately, it's going to be the police. Like, I just, you know, like, that's sort of, like, that's kind of interesting that are all, there there are all these very specific things. Well, if it's this, And most of us are volunteers and don't even belong. Like, my full-time job is teacher. And one of our other... (laughs) One of our other trailing um, dogs, he's a lawyer. Um, the the fun one, uh, he's a pilot for JetBlue. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. This is yeah. – wow. All right. Okay. But, but with your knowledge base, I would assume that you could do – I mean, really, you could write, like, thrillers. You could write detective or cop drama or whatever. Why romance? Um, I've always loved romance. Um I like science fiction fantasy as well. And on that side, I do like the darker stuff. But I think for search and rescue, um, you know, like a lot of people, I'm not a police procedural person. I don't like that stuff. Uh, It's just I don't like to read it. It's too, you know, I mean, unless you get into Dexter kind of situation, which I love Dexter (laughs) series, um, you know, it's not really for me. And then with search and rescue, um, you know, that was one of the things even I ran across with uh, called into action was they marked it as a romantic suspense. Um, but, you know, a lot of with the search and rescue there, there's always like this um, antagonist, a person. Mm-hmm. And most of the time search and rescue, it's nature. You know, the oh. the hunter who's lost because they came off of a trail. Um, my life find dog is looking for life find people. Like if you look at... Um, you know, unfortunately, what's going on in Miami right, right. now. Um, it's not a, per- I mean, yeah, depending on some information you may or may not know. Um, but the reason for that, you know, for what happened is not, you did not have somebody purposely go in and do something. It's not like a um, bomb exploded. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or you don't have a kidnapping. Um, you know, not to say that when you approach a search and rescue scene, you do not know if something has happened. Um, but you know, like for example, um, there was a missing girl in, uh, Lancaster that it ended up being, um, a murder. Um, but no one knew that at the time, um, because you have a fair amount of, you know, where are you searching? What are you doing? Do you, what information do you know? Most of search and rescue really is, uh, nature has happened. Okay. 
So, so then uh, with your search and rescue book, for example, did you use nature as the antagonist or were you yes. kind of pushed? Yes, to it use... was. A, okay. Well, most of that book is really, um, it's a, well, no, I can't say it's a light romance. It, it's a contemporary romance. Um, the female handler goes up to earn her certification and just like little mishaps happen. And then you have the romance, you have um the hero's grandfather is suffering from a degenerative disease. The person who goes missing is just a child who wandered off from uh, the town fair, um, which often happens. I mean, how many right. searches have I been on, on to because a child has wandered off from somewhere, right. um, whether it's out of their house where somebody, um, you know, they rented a cabin and nobody was paying attention um, or just away from a camp scene or whatever it is right. um it happens so right. and so that's actually what happens and then you do have a storm so there you know you do have right. these aspects that you have to um in search and rescue that you're going up against you know temperature weather what's the person's health like you know all these things and you're also sort of working in that sort of race against time trope too because the longer mm -hmm. that somebody's out there the more trouble they can get into oh absolutely yeah oh my god that's so cool mm-hmm what a cool, what a cool thing to be writing and to sort of have knowledge of so that you can write it, you know, yeah, really and it's, awesome. I'd say with technology, it's been very interesting because um, I remember we took this one class once and this woman, she actually had gotten lost and she had her phone on her and she was recording her experience and you could see even in the span of just five hours, even when it was daylight, how her behavior and her mindset changed, um, you know, really? because she was at, yeah, it, it, it is when you're out, you know, when you're in nature and you get lost, it's scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you don't know which ways which, especially if you don't have um, like a GPS, if you're unfamiliar with the area. What was, I'm sort of curious, like, what was the sort of progression of, of her experience over that five hours? Like, at first, was she like, oh, oh shit. She, she was out and there, then, I think, <gasps> for, like, a couple of days before they oh, found her. God. Yeah, but, like, even in the span, um, it was, it decreased uh, rapidly. Um, she was smart. She stayed by a source of water. Okay. Um, you know, but it was just, um, I think once night hit and even the next morning you saw that a complete deterioration into fear. Um, it wasn't a winter day, but it was just the fact of being out there with no one and being lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and there was no weather aspect. She wasn't hurt or anything like that, um, which all those things also continue to add. But yeah. You could see the distress. But even, even just in, I mean, I guess if you're going to get lost that is going to be your ideal circumstance right yeah, um and yeah. so even under that ideal circumstance it was still a very, very harrowing scary. situation yeah, absolutely oh wow that's really wild see i'm i'm like in awe of anybody that does any of these sort of like i don't know like you know the this these suspense filled book because i know nothing i know nothing I know nothing. <laughs> so not my background. That's interesting because it, you know, cold into action. Really, it, it's not too much of a suspense. You have that little bit of suspense after. I'm not really a suspense romance writer. Right. Um, it's not my forte. I like. There's always some, you know, a book that might have a little bit of suspense in it, but it's not like a, a huge category. Like the 
you know, traditional romantic suspense. It's really contemporary with an aspect of suspense into right, it. Right, right. Um, you like writing but yeah. Navy Seals. You're oh, yeah. Like, what, yeah. What, I do. Oh, my God. Well, I love um, working, man. like, I would rather take a, um, like, the new book I'm actually writing, still in my first draft, is a mechanic. I, I like heroes who work and yeah. heroines who are, and I yeah. shouldn't say like work into I, I'm not into like the white collar level work like you know? you're not There's up for writing a billionaire romance that's not yes. your thing yeah no no unless that it was like the secret billionaire who's really like the volunteer firefighter and you don't know he's rich and he's like throwing himself into the line of fire and you come out later <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no he's not like throwing his money around <laughs> well I mean I guess this sort of speaks to your adrenaline junkie side right mm -hmm. oh yeah <laughs> but it's funny because I actually have um it, um she's kind of a little bit retired now she's helping with training but um one of my teammates is um her husband works for Tiffany's um in a very up, uh well-to-do position like if you see sweet okay <laughs> yeah um and like she has a pink room in her house which is full of pink stuff and you know glamour and glitz and everything and she'll wait around in mud with her dog and has found countless people and like things that you would never know until like you go to her house and you're like wait you're the same like perception sometimes when you hear um mm. something and then like when you see it like especially in the area where I kind of live if you have wealth a lot of people show that off yeah um so it's just amazing I'm like wait you live in that area and I would have never guessed <laughs> you <Yeah>. know so <laughs> it, you know and, and that's like one of those that's the kind of like wealthy person I would write about like okay. you would never know they were until you're like oh wow you live here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of a pink room before this is absolutely fascinating oh yeah yeah <laughs> well like, pink's her favorite color so everything in the room is pink well I totally get what you mean 20 20 year New Yorker here so like I totally understand I totally get what you mean there <laughs> so I'm kind of curious right when did do you remember the first romance book you ever read I don't well I should say I remember a sort of. I read the Thornbirds, and oh. I do not know if that's classified technically as a romance, but I know romance is a big aspect to it, and I know it was a very no-no romance. Yes, um, <laughs> I remember the miniseries. That's how well, old I, I am. Watched it. I watched the miniseries, well, when they replayed it, because I wanted to see it. Um, but yeah, uh, that would have been my first book that hooked me onto, and I do like the, whether it's forbidden or angsty kind of romance romances um you know and I think that kind of really set the stage for me <laughs> oh so okay so what was it that you loved about it um I just thought it was very I liked the that I I want to say a little bit of that angst that the hero went through like because he questioned a lot of like his beliefs and it was for you know there there was a whole it wasn't very like um rom-commy where oh I met somebody and I fell right. in love and then you have this little situation that it was really like a 
challenge. Like it was like that internal struggle. Right. Um, and, and I like that. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't cookie cutter or I should say cookie cutter. It wasn't clean. It was mm. a real like internal struggle. And I was like, wow, that's good. You know, and then obviously <laughs> when lines are crossed, it was like, oh yeah, this is even better. <laughs> <laughs> you like the taboo. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so when you started writing, did you always know that it was going to be romance was your genre? No, when I started, actually, my first two manuscripts were uh, young adult. Uh, <laughs> one was what? like a, 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 <laughs> one was a like Dexter meets Lord of the Flies. Um, so when I say dark, I mean dark. Oh, that um, kind of sounds good. <laughs> And then the other one was an urban fantasy, um, also kind of on the darker side. Um, and then I wrote a romance as my third one. That's so funny. Okay, so I write urban fantasy in addition to romance. So this is like super interesting to me. I love the dark. I love the fight scenes are like my favorite things to write. Um, so I'm very curious. Do, what, do you enjoy writing the fight scenes? Um. Yes, it depends on the fight scenes. It depends how it's approached. Um, for this particular one, it was fun because it was um, a kitsune based one. So it wasn't just like, you know, a hand to hand fight, but it was also a fox to wolf in those two forms fight. Um, and oh. I guess from dog experience, you know, it's, yeah. oh, okay, you know how dogs are going to fight and what they're going to do and how's the wolf going to approach it versus the fox and you do have the difference in size. And so it, I'd say that one was a lot of fun for me to write. Um, I used to train in MMA too. That's actually how I met my husband. Um, <laughs> so some of the hand-to-hand stuff was fun too, but he... <laughs> So not surprised. Yeah, he critiques it more because he's had more experience in it. And he's like, oh, okay, see, this isn't going to work here. Switch this around or that around. Well, that's good. That's helpful. That's definitely helpful. Okay. Oh, God, I love this because I'm sort of curious, like, do you how do you feel about writing the steamy scenes because I know that you write you write sweet obviously too because you've written these ways and you write very steamy and so when you're writing the steamy stuff did you or for the first time did you find it difficult oh no not at all um actually believe it or not it comes naturally to me the one um romance that I wrote that was sweet was actually really hard for me Okay, we're unpacking this. So tell me more. Okay, (laughs) so (laughs) why do you think it's difficult? Because I lean naturally, I want to include that steam. Um, this the sweet romance that I wrote actually came up as an opportunity, um, and it was a diversity opportunity to introduce. Um, so I'm part Mongolian um, to introduce people to um, you know that culture, and that's the reason I took on the project. Oh, um, okay. But it fell into the rules of Hallmark um, originally. What it what the publisher I was publishing through. Um, it was one of those they were trying to get it so that I forgot which Hallmark movie came out that was set in Iceland, but that was kind of the theme for what like Hallmark movies and some and like Lifetime Love movies and all that kind of were falling into. So they wanted it written a certain way um, so that it kind of fell into the realm of could be adapted for film. Got it. Um so that's why I took on that project and it was hard. It was like, Oh, especially because it had to fall into the like 
one kiss, everything else is like lucky if they hold hands. Kind of oh. thing. And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, I get. I guess there's writing sort of sweet or writing close the door. Um, which, you know, I, I, funny, I've only spoken to one writer who even writes close the door. I'm dying to talk to like somebody who just strictly sweet, like for this podcast, because I think that would be so fascinating. Um, because I do think to a degree in terms of writing intimacy, those of us that write steam kind of have it a little bit easier. It was, you know what it was, it was more of there were things that I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, so this is the first time, you know, they'll have like that little brush of the hands or this is, you know, when they hold hands or the could be kiss or which my favorite could be kiss is uh, drives me crazy to this day. I want to throw my phone at the TV every time I see it. The Top Gun scene where he leans in and she's in the elevator and then he just like walks away. And I'm like, oh, oh you're such God. a jerk. <laughs> 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 because he like leans so close up and, and she's all like, oh, yes, kiss me. And then he's like, okay. And like turns and walks away and like, uh, and does it purposely. Um, yeah. That's, but you, yeah. <laughs> You have those, you know, you have some of those moments, um, but it's like to make it to the point where I guess the climax on a sexual level would be like, you know, the first chase kiss. It can't even be like a kiss with tongue. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many rules here. Oh my God. Yes. yes. Um, and where hands can fall and can't fall. Um you know, because what ends up, what ended up happening for me is I got really involved in the story and it was like, oh yeah, I have to weave these other little things in, but it has to be like in this kind of way. Um, so it's like, it, it was different and right. it was an interesting challenge and I know I could do it, um, you know, now having completed it, but um, I would say I definitely... I learned a lot on how to build some of that into the other, um, you know, the steamy books. Um, but I do prefer, like, if somebody kisses, I want to write that they kiss. <laughs> um, I, I just enjoy it more. And I definitely enjoy reading about that stuff more. Though I have read some sweet romances that I've just loved. Right, right. So, okay. Oh my God, there's so much to talk about here. So much to unpack. Um, I'm very, I'm kind of, I'm curious about um, writing. So, so y the reason why you picked up this uh, sweet line, well, okay, for I've got so much running through my head right now. I'm sort of staggering around and then <laughs> take a breath. Um, okay, because uh, you're, this, the scene that you sent me is like probably the steamiest I've ever like read on this show so far oh, okay <laughs> and i've had bdsm uh, oh really <laughs> okay. i got a few bdsm books so you know it, it's a different sort of steam like that's a little bit more of i guess i mean no you, the scene you sent me was a kink for sure but i think that mm -hmm. that there like bdsm is a little bit more of a a kink than sort of like yeah, I don't know. It's kink. It's I, but anyway. I guess it's a little bit more taboo. What you sent me, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil it. But I think yours, especially now that we've gone through the whole Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon, like I feel like BDSM is probably not as taboo as other things that one can do when one mm -hmm. is engaged in this experience. So I don't know. So like the, I just find it completely fascinating that you wrote a sweet romance knowing like how steamy you write. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's so wild. That's so wild. Okay. Yeah, so, so it was actually trying to also, it was funny because I, when I talked to my agent about it, she's like, all right, so this is how you brand yourself because branding is so annoying. Like, no, it, just, is. Yes, it drives it is. me crazy. It so is. she's like, here, what you do is you're focusing on this so that you can write this or this. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, that works. Okay. So wait, how, so you didn't write then you wrote this book under your, under your, the name that you use for yes. your steamy book. So what did she, what, like, what did she say in terms so, of branding? Like, um, how, are you, how are you? Even though that particular book kind of still falls outside the scope, um, we rebranded Paris Winters as, um, that I write, um, what is it? Uh, steamy and sweet, uh, romance, East Coast romance stories um, for everyone, uh, just okay. because I do write um, multiracial stories. That was my next um, question, because you do say you're a multiracial author mm -hmm. in diverse world. And so you are writing um, a diversity into your books as well. Yes. Cool. And, and different ones. So like um, my newest book that is releasing uh, next month, um, you know, it's the third book in the Little Creek series. So you do have those diverse characters. But in this particular one, um, it's a disability um because oh, okay. i do suffer from one as well so um you know that's the aspect that i bought in there i think that that's so interesting and also important um because uh, you know when you are writing in um a disability into the into your work it's sort of like you really have to think about you know for a minute well how does you know how does this character have sex depending on like what the disability mm -hmm. is you know and it's something i took a an intimacy coaching course um and it was a sort of somatic experience somatic program and one of the things that we did talk about is like you know you can achieve orgasm without any sort of genital manipulation mm-hmm you know, like it just like some some other body part takes the place of, you know, a, a penis or a clitoris or a G spot or whatever it is. And I just found that so fascinating. And I think that is such an overlooked area um, within the romance community. I could also just be not finding the books because of my own biases or whatever. But it seems to me that that is something that is really overlooked in romance and something that's a very important subject, I think, to be writing on. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, that you mentioned it. I know I read one book and I can't remember the book. I know it was a spicier, maybe it was a BDSM where, and it, but it, it wasn't written in the way that, let's say that, you know, you'd ideally want it to be written if that was an aspect that you were, um, you know, bringing more into the romance world. Mm -hmm. But it was about um, a heroine who could achieve an orgasm just through nipple manipulation. Um, but it was kind of like the, oh, yeah, I could get you off just by doing that, you know, but it was interesting to see that somebody had actually bought that in, right. um, you know, and it was, and I've only seen it once. And again, it, I, I think like you, other people may have done it, but you know, it's just, I can't re really remember something where that's all it was, you know, or, you know, that it was solely like, Hey, through this kind of manipulation, you can achieve orgasm and nothing else was touched or, yeah. you know, that doing that almost brought them to orgasm. And then they started having sex with them and they had the most amazing orgasm, you know, like something where it wasn't that I don't really remember recalling outside of this one book. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think the most that I've read is like disfigured. 
you know, mm-hmm. in terms of yes. like a scar on your face or, you know, some sort of, body, you know, half your chest is mutilated or, you know, from, from yeah, a war or, wound um, or whatever, you know. I have a um, critique partner who uh, just re- um, had, um, she's agented, she found her agent and she, I, um, her, let's see, what it, I believe her heroin is, I forgot what they have, but they have some kind of spinal issue that they are um, in a wheelchair, uh-huh. um, but since birth, but that she's an own voices author. Um there is a little bit of steam, but I do believe that there wasn't any, well, at the point I read the manuscript and she might change it. Um, there wasn't really a sex scene involved in that. Okay. Um, but that is some of the things that I have seen where, whether it's closed door right. um, or maybe leaning towards sweet, um, you know, those are some of the aspects I had seen rather than, you know, I, Hey, have you dealt, you know, delved into that you know yeah. kind of thing so yeah and, and I hope those come because they are out there and and they are um interesting aspects I do too I mean I would love to read that because I think it would be such an incredible well first of all it'd just be an incredible step for the genre to mm-hmm. step forward and do steamy romance um for somebody who is having sex a different way um you know but like you said, own voices, like I, as much as I like want, you know, they always say, well, write the book you want to read. And it's like, but I also, there's also an own voices part of that where I'm like, I can't write that because that is not my lived experience. And I certainly wouldn't want to get it wrong. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I yeah. think the other thing is, um, there is some, you know, there is calls for diversity and stuff like that, but there's still somewhat of a block, um, depending on publisher um for certain things i mean i know that at what was a conference i went to i actually overheard um a particular publisher say that um somebody in a wheelchair would make their readers feel bad and they didn't want a main character in a wheelchair and I was like, are you serious right now? Like, I just Ew. walked away because I'm like, me? Uh, like, uh, I'm the kind of person Ew. that might, if you turned around and said it to me, my fist would land in your face. So I'm like, bite my tongue and walk away. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. wow. To say that out loud at a conference. Whew. Yeah. That's ballsy. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's so funny because I, you know, th- there there is in the industry even though self-publishing is like huge, right? I, you know, I do know a lot of authors still want to go the trad route and I feel like there's like the gatekeepers gate, gatekeepers kind of use these excuses. Well, no, my our readership isn't going to want to read that. It's going to make them feel bad. You mm-hmm. know, and it's sort of like, well, no, if you write it a certain way, you know, I mean, there are plenty of, of romance novels out there where, you know, the, the heroine has been a victim of sexual assault. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of those. And it's like right there on the page sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I mean, that, you know, certainly tears at my heartstrings and I feel terrible for that character. Mm-hmm. But it only makes me root harder for her to come through it and find oh, love at the end. You know, so I don't I don't understand like what's different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, very interesting because I've learned that there are still, you know, 
publishers will still at the end, even when they go to acquisitions that, you know, you still have a whole bunch of people in the room from different departments and with a lot of research and buying trends. And, you know, I I think it still comes down to uh, certain, you know, just redoing a lot of you know what are we actually buying and but then again it also comes out to what's marketed I mean I I saw somebody post um on Twitter I believe it was the other day or maybe it was Instagram that they went into Barnes and Nobles for the first time since you know everything was shut down and they were amazed just at the level of all the YA books that were in Barnes and Nobles that they never heard about because the publishers just didn't put the marketing dollars behind them. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, how many other books have we not heard about because of that, you know, like even in romance and it's, but then those marketing dollars are what also drive those buying trends. So even for romance, you know, the biggest sellers for covers are the men on the cover. You know, if you have a female centric cover, it's like the least selling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, what's really interesting, too, is I actually see this as a real sort of flashpoint for the marketing, because if you are the first one out of the gate to do something like unique and different that actually does speak to an underserved audience, mm-hmm. I have a feeling there'll be a lot of at least mainstream press coverage of that, which then can sort of spiral into that. Because I'll tell you what, getting like mainstream press coverage in romance is like, Oh yeah. Oh my God. So difficult. Like that, that is like so difficult. And, and that's even for, you know, published authors, um, you know, who, who have tried publishers behind them, Never mind indies, like who, you know, mainstream won't touch. Oh yeah. But just to, for like a Harlequin or whoever to come out with something with a line that, that celebrates that diversity, you know, that sort of diversity. I don't know. I have a feeling it would go, Mm -hmm. I, I have a feeling the press would go bananas. Oh, yeah. Like, I think there's an opportunity here. Somebody take it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) There's an opportunity. Take this opportunity. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Um, Okay. So I want to just talk about your Navy Seals of Little Creek series because there was something in the description that I just was like, oh, my God, this is fucking brilliant. Um, (laughs) You put in – so you're you're kind of have this kind of like – strangers uh, get getting together like like that's uh, what, like oh god what did, i just forgot like what the a matchmaker is called like a matchmaker yeah like mm-hmm. it's like a matchmaker but it's but it's uh, absolutely like something different because it's like that forced marriage right the forced marriage mm-hmm. trope where you're so it's like what was it, a mail order bride yes. meets a match making program yeah 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 so, yeah so there's the spouse matching program that is written into your navy seals of little creek series okay first of all double checking not a real thing right no, not a no, real no, thing. No, not a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> not that I know. <laughs> Just wanted to double check that. Um, okay, where did this idea come from? Because I think it's fucking brilliant. It's so Well, clever. there was always, I mean, since I was younger, like I, I grew up in a military family, I have military friends, all that stuff. You always hear that, you know, divorce rates are always so high. And then, you know, you always heard the, well, if they wanted you to have a wife, they would have issued you one, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Um, you know, so I was like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. Ha ha ha. Um, but then I forgot, I came across, I forgot what I was actually reading about. Um, but I came across some articles where they were talking again about, uh, the divorce rates and the climbing divorce rates, especially amongst special, um, special forces. Um, but then just in the military in general. And then I remember like my mouth falling over and, and 
because I also heard like stories from people I know um, about like some of the reasons like why they got married. Like, yeah, you had these, oh, hey, like asked to get married after the second date, going off to Vegas, getting married quickly. Right. Um, I think even in Army Wives, one of them got married like really fast. Um, but then I heard things about like they would um, – make deals with good friends of theirs to get married, to get like better housing, to get moved into better housing. That is a thing. That uh-huh. is a thing. And all these other little intricate things. And I'm like, uh, okay. So then like the two just kind of came together. And I think there was a recommendation email, like from Amazon or something that came through that was, and it was like mail order bride this. And I was like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if, <laughs> And, and that's like kind of how the idea sprang about, kind of like the, yeah, if we wanted you to have one, we'd issue you one. And then, oh, the military is having all these problems with this and this. Oh, and I remember the article was also uh, one of the following articles I was reading was about this husband and wife. Um, I forgot if he was a SEAL or a Green Beret, but they were going through and doing um, like marriage uh, workshops to help like with some of the things that you'd experience in special forces and all that kind of stuff. So it was just a combination of like reading real world stuff and, you know, kind of putting a couple of things together. And I was like, this would kind of be fun. I'm kind of um, now I'm really curious because this you're writing a really awesome fun sort of trope, I guess, like a new trope. Um, and, but we're, but because it's not a real thing, did you get any pushback from readers? Because I know sometimes readers can be like, that would never happen. Um, yeah, there's always some in reviews that would, um, you know, be like, ah, uh, and, and even like when we were out, it was out on submission to some publishers, it's just like, oh, well, this is, you know, too much of, you know, a push from reality, you know, suspension of disbelief. Um, for it to happen. And, you know, I, I hate to say it as being in search and rescue, reading half of the search and rescue books they put out there. I'm like, you have no idea what you're writing about. And this is what you're publishing. Um, <laughs> like, there's just so many, like, um, I'll never, some of, I, there's a big search and rescue romance um, that I didn't even know was published until it was ripped apart at a convention or, well, I guess it was a training um, summit that I was at. Um, For a search and rescue he, training summit, not a romance book training Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. yeah. We were out there um, training dogs and stuff like that yeah. um, and just training for ourselves. And they were talking about this one book and they were like, a lot of them were pissed about the level, uh, about how search and rescue was portrayed. Mm. Um, you know, obviously then, you know, here, here comes, uh, certain handlers, especially the men. Oh, this—that's because it's romance, you know. <laughs> of course, they. Yeah, but of course. There were a fair number. I mean, just in general, there was a lot of like, "Are you serious? Like, this person couldn't even like open the internet and read, and you know, all this other kind of stuff." So I was like, "Oh, okay. You know what? <laughs> if this is the biggest aspect that you can't believe is that like the military would come up with something like that. Meanwhile, look at all the other things they do. Um, <laughs> it's like, all right, so you know what? It's not your cup of tea. Fine, whatever. Um, but I, you know, to me, it's like there are tropes that I'll read that I kind of laugh at, but at the same point, it, 
it's not really why I picked up the book. It's, right. um, it might have been interesting, but it might be a trope that I like, like uh, whether it's forced proximity, enemies to lovers. Um, and then if I can get behind the characters, if you're saying that they were match made and, you know, went to first call, you know, be one of the first colonists on Mars, I'd be like, okay, I mean, we're technically, scientifically, we're not there yet, but hey, whatever. <laughs> Take me along <laughs> for the ride. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I guess that's it. Like, I'm not reading this to become proficient in yeah, whatever it is the romance writer is writing about. I'm reading this for the romance and the happily ever Absolutely. after. Absolutely. So yeah. what do you care if they, you know, got put together because the military came up with some program? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to dig into your steamy scene because it is hot. Um what book is this from? I forgot to actually. That ask is you. from Issued. So that is the first book okay, um, so, in the series. So this is the first book in the. Um, Navy Seals of the Little Creek series. The Little Creek series. Okay, cool. And um, can you set the scene up for us? Where are we in the book? What is their sort of background? Where? How did we get here? So the first book is about Jim and Taya. Jim is um, forced into the military's new matchmaking program. Um, and he's kind of angry about it. Um, you know, he had a marriage that didn't go so well the first time. Um, but he's also like the go-to boy for his commanding officers. You know, he's the, you can count on me kind of person, mm. um, even begrudgingly. Um, so he goes into it, the heroine, um, she had some unfortunate life events that happened to her um, in New York, and she kind of wants to start over, uh, saw this as an opportunity to start over, and joins uh, the program. Um, so they're kind of, being that he's still active duty, she has to move down to where he's stationed um, and moves in with him since he has the house and everything like that. Um, so they have, you know, sparks, but at the same point, bump heads um, a lot. Um, so this particular scene, they've had sex already. They know they're attracted to one another. Um, this particular scene, their intimacy... Um, outside of sex has already started to grow. So she had gotten hurt on a search and rescue thing and he's been nervous and, you know, kind of also trying to support her and, you know, in, in turn, emotionally support, not like financially, um, you know, and also kind of learning to, in a sense, be married the correct way. Um, so he has a nice little support system of friends who kind of put him in his place every now and then. Um, so this particular scene, she was actually out riding. She has a broken arm and she went out riding her motorcycle, um, which I've had friends who do. And it's not exactly the smartest move. Um, not but you it know, is so possible. <laughs> not the it smartest is move, possible. but it is possible. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, you know, she has these other things from home going on um you know her father was a police officer who was killed and you know it just she was inside her head a little bit um and she that's just one of the ways she gets out of her head um which you know riding and um you know myself my husband rides and it's just one of those 
clear your head kind yeah. of thing sometimes. Um, so that's what she went and did. And she comes home and the place is completely dark. He's sitting there waiting for her. He has, he's upset about it um, in some ways, but as she looks around, she notices things are off. Uh, Jim is very, like, everything has its place. The napkins are completely straight. Um, And she notices the kitchen is a little bit in disarray, which is uh, completely unlike him. So then Mm. it comes out, he got word uh, his best friend was killed um, overseas. Uh, So it's one of those things where um, this particular scene really isn't about the attractive hey I want to have sex with you it's one of those sex was the escape um she he needed to he needed something to forget right um and she recognizes that and steps in to offer something to help him kind of escape for a bit um and this makes what happens in this scene like even more, I don't know, like like ballsy on her part, really. I mean, like this is this was like a huge step that she took, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I liked about this scene, why it's so that's how this whole scene um, happens. And mm-hmm. you know, one of the reasons it was my favorite scene is because there were very few books where I've ever seen like a heroine maybe move too fast and be like oops I'm sorry yeah um Mm -hmm. or kind of wait for the male or the hero to give um what is it consent Consent. right um so you know especially for Jim one of the reasons I liked it too is because you do have this like strong tough person who acts timid you know you know Mm -hmm. he doesn't fully accept um his um interests or i should say what he'd like to explore sexually what you know he enjoys right. um and through the book there you know, i won't ruin it but there's a, a certain other reasons why he's a little hesitant too okay. so it's um do we get to un- sort of unpack this later too? Like, is this something? Oh yeah, yeah. He becomes yeah. more comfortable and asking for the things he likes and stuff like this. So it's really kind Ooh, of like okay. I've always seen where it's usually like reverse. Yes. Um, yeah. and I can, you know, it. it I kind of want to do it, you know, this way where it was the the um, hero who wasn't completely on board with what he likes or has some kind of hangups about it where the heroine's just kind of like, I've had lovers. I know how, you know, and I'm okay. You know, I, whether she has her limits um, on what she feels comfortable doing, she has, you know, she's okay exploring. She's comfortable in her sexuality and with certain things too. So with him, he kind of likes ass play and she's had lovers who have, and she's totally fine with it. Um, so it was fun to kind of switch the roles around, um, and have her be like, Hey, you know what? It's okay. I got you. If you're interested, we'll take it slower, you know, however it went. And, you know, it was just, fun to you know switch the roles around there right cool okay i'm going to i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a read are we ready yeah here we go 
His shaft glistens, and even in my hand, it exudes power and purpose. I drag my tongue across the head, playing with the slit at the top and the tip of my tongue until he playing with the slit at the top with the tip of my tongue until he gifts me with a salty droplet of precum. My groan matches his when I swallow it. I want him inside of me. I want to touch my own aching slit, but I only have one hand at my disposal, and I need it to hold his dick steady while I bathe it with attention. The taste of his skin tightens things low in my body and my mouth waters. His fingers are lost in my hair, his body shuddering and shaking above me. I feel powerful and I grip his ass, urging him to thrust into my mouth while I writhe before him, hungry for contact of my own. My hand cups his balls briefly before traveling beyond them. I love playing with a man's prostate. It makes them come so much harder. One partner described it as a deeper kind of release and that's what I want for Jim tonight. I want the pleasure to take control and overpower everything, even the grief. I want it not just for him, but for myself. When my wet fingers tease his ass, he stops thrusting. My nails trail along his muscular cheeks and I suck him deeper. He resumes thrusting and I explore him again. When just the tip of my finger enters him, I, I pull free and duck my head, lapping his shaft and balls. Taya, oh fuck, he stumbles a little. When I suckle at the delicate skin of his sack, a fine tremor works along his body. I wrap my mouth around his balls and paint them with my tongue. His legs shake and he rests his forearm, forearm against the ledge of the granite for balance. I duck lower and let the tip of my tongue lap at the tight rose between his ass cheeks, my neck arching with the need to reach. My finger moves in small circles while I work him with my tongue. A deep rumbling growl of pleasure explodes from his chest but the sound breaks the spell and he pulls me to, to my feet. His chest rises and falls as if he's been running and he looks scared. Whew. You went there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I like this is, this was so unexpected to sort of like read. I think I've read maybe a couple of books that have gone there with anal pie. Um, and, and, you know, each time I kind of found this, those particular books that, that used anal play definitely fell in the realm of, I don't know that this man is consenting to what you're doing, <laughs> you know, and not like he was like aghast, but it just sort of seemed like this thing of, oh, and now she's touching my butt. And usually there is some sort of, you know, there does need to be some sort of stop moment to before moving forward, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so, it, you know, it was, it was really sort of neat to read this and know that I haven't read this very often. Yeah, it was definitely, you know, I, I've come across um, some where it was either, like you said, um, or there have been some where like the hero was, wanted to try it so he was like 100% like yeah let's go for this or has had or it's been a part of um you know things he's liked and he just wasn't sure if his partner would like um doing that to him right so this is kind of like the in between where you know it's not Jim's first time doing it um but it's one of those where because of experiences with his ex-wife you know he's been kind of hesitant to okay. explore that part again okay okay oh that's really fascinating that there mm -hmm. is going to be some sort of like 
I don't know, I want to, I guess, trigger around this, um, this experience, even though he's had it before, you know? Um, it's not really the experience. It's more of being, well, he's been made fun of for his interests, in other words. Um, okay. So it's not like, oh, it, the the experience is bad, but when divorce comes, you know. There's a bit of a shaming, thing. right? There's a bit of shaming yeah, going on with like, it. Oh, yeah. you know what? She wasn't exactly, it wasn't, I would say, an amicable divorce. So okay. there was like a whole bunch of other things. And this is another one where it's like, bam, right at you, right. you know, so. Right. Okay, I'm going to keep going. <clears throat> I relax in his grip, allowing emotion to guide my lips to his chest. I kiss him above the heart and rest there until its wild beat morphs from a hummingbird mid-flight to that of a butterfly. His shoulders relax, and with my chin resting against his breastbone, I look up at him through my lashes. I'm sorry, I was moving too fast. He shakes his head. No, I... Jim blows out a breath and tries again. I like it. He trembles with the admission, his eyes wide and vulnerable, as if he expects my ridicule. Instead, arousal hits me like a one-two punch, and I don't fight it, allowing it to transform my face so he can see that the need in me matches the need in him. You can trust me. He studies me for what feels like an eternity, but in the end nods. The motion is almost imperceptible. See, I felt like, okay, now we're getting to the heart of the matter here. We're getting to the, the like, and the, the, the heart of the intimacy, which would be trust. And I was like, yes! I was like applauding. <laughs> <laughs> when I first read this, I was applauding. I was like, that's it. It's about trust. Yes. <laughs> which was awesome to sort of read and then also see it kind of like explained, which was really, really beautiful, I thought. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, one more little bit. Well, actually, let me go with two more because I just really like this next. I'm, I'm like reading the whole scene that you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go just because I really liked um, your descriptive passages in this one, which I thought was sort of cool. Okay. I place my hand against his chest and circle him, pressing a kiss against his shoulder, his arm, the center of his back. His tattoo is a tapestry of color up close, and I spend several moments tracing the graceful black outlines with my tongue. I loved that tapestry of color. He holds onto my wrist as if he needs the lifeline. I kiss down his spine and over the globes of his ass while my hand trails down his chest and back to his wet cock. I grip it, and in an expulsion of air, he lets my wrist go so I can stroke him while I bite and lick my way closer and closer to his tight entrance. With a cry sounding like defeat, he drops to his knees. My good hand strokes him while I use my casted arm to gently urge him to bend at the waist. When he's finally on his hands and knees before him, I bury my face in the muscled sea of flesh and lap him like a cat with a bowl of cream. There was just so many beautiful, like, the the imagery here was absolutely (laughs) gorgeous. So I just wanted to read that because I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) You know, know, particularly because there is a lot going on here. You know, and I think that sometimes I I know for me, I don't want to speak for everybody else, but for me, I can get a little bit like in the weeds with the choreography. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, know, and you kind of then lose the um, the emotion and all of that that goes along with it. And that's actually a bit more of a driving force. Forgive the pun um, than the actual (laughs) sex itself. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely. I totally know what you're saying because I've I've read scenes like that and I think I've honestly written them myself. Um, 
but it's one of those where it is a fine balance of how do you do this? And then I, I know I had to rewrite that scene because I remember my editor like was a little lost and she's like, well, what about her casted hand? Like she forgot, like in reading it, she's like, oh yeah, that's right. She doesn't have access to both of her hands. So right. we need to mention that here or there to remind the reader. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, it, it's. So I then mean, it's like yeah. you have to build it in, and how do you do that without it making it seem like yeah? <laughs> yeah, I think you know these these can get really really complicated. I think to write, you know, just because there is so much going on, not only physically but also emotionally, and then mm-hmm. you also have to stop and think. Well, wait a minute, where where's the reader in this too? Because I think that in a, even in scenes between the two people on the page, there is a third person in the room with them. And that's the reader, oh, absolutely. you know, yeah. so and, and, so, and you always have to be that also has to you have to be aware of that presence as well while you're writing. And it can be a really difficult balancing act. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay, I just wanted to um, read the very last paragraph because I was like, Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> he relaxes into me bit by bit. Jim, him, Jim let himself go and gave me control, not only of his pain, but of his pleasure. The tough as nails Navy SEAL is so dedicated to the role of alpha male, I never thought he'd allow himself to be vulnerable, especially with me. Oh, that's it. There we go. It's like, you know, exploring vulnerability in the alpha male, I think, is such a treat. It is. And I kind of feel bad. I put Jim through the ringer a little bit too much. <laughs> so we're, we're at poor Jim. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I mean, I had to tone him down. I had him a little too tough at first. And, and it's funny because I, you know, it's one of those where I actually like a tough hero like when I read. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, like with him, he was just tough and I had to tone him down a little bit um you know and I think it also comes like with things that I have a tolerance for um that you know other people don't um you know like if let's say you know like when my son can turn around and be like make me a sandwich woman and I'll like laugh and be like ha 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 you know like and I find it funny but you know other people will be like wait your son says that to you and I'm like yeah whatever you know it's like, trust me <laughs> it's not like I don't say things to him either but you know it's just like an it, it's a joke you know some I'm a little more I don't get offended as easily at stuff right so I guess I have a well also with, you know, search and rescue and coming across the things you do, I have a thick skin. So right. I also have a dark sense of humor. <laughs> so it's like one of those, sometimes that stuff needs to be toned down and like, I have to soften my heroes a little bit, but yeah, it, I, I do like making the tough guys vulnerable, but not, um, you know, like a cutting them off at the knees level, you know, like mm-hmm. a, an emotional vulnerability because right. they do have it. Right, right. But even then, like to tease that out, you know, I think mm-hmm. is, is you know, is unusual. You know what I mean? Like I, like I do think that to some alpha males, which is why I think I enjoy reading them, but at the same time, like I don't enjoy reading them. Like they have to be very particular writers, like writing in that alpha, writing alpha males that, that I can read because they can turn into such a caricature of a dick 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, like, you know, and so there is a very, very fine line between writing an alpha male and writing an asshole. Oh, absolutely. And and I think, you know, Jim, there were some readers who said, oh, you know, like at first, you know, Jim came off as an, an alpha hole. Um, but I, as they continued reading on, there would be these other parts of him that they see. So, you know, one of the things he has a brain injury and, you know, mm. he's kind of standoffish about it because he doesn't want to accept it. But then he has a friend who steps in that goes, you feel that prescription? And he's like, no, it's in my closet. He, I'll fill it later. And he's like, yeah, go get it. We're going together. Um, you know, so you have this level of you can see certain things from where they're coming from. And I think with Jim a lot of people said that made him more acceptable in a sense. Like he right. wasn't just being a jerk at times for the sake of being like it, like it was his personality since birth. Like it's coming from somewhere, whether he can't accept his limitations or he can't accept that he's injured or he blames himself for something. Um, you know, there was always a deeper meaningful. It wasn't like, a, Oh, because somebody hit my car. I feel like, you know, being a jerk, you know, right, it was like, right. Oh, you know, okay. This is like emotional stay. Yeah. Okay. We can, we can, understand you know as long as he changes his ways <laughs> but yeah I, I definitely agree there are definitely some that I'm like really like <laughs> what's your reasoning over here right 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 oh wow this poor Jim oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, you know it's funny because each thing like you know each character they're their own character and it's if I couldn't write another Jim, if you ask, just because it's just so him. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious. Are you a, are you a plotter or a pantser? I am a plotter. Okay. Um, sometimes I get too crazy in terms of plot. Uh, you know, like I'll have like a 25 page plot, but uh, some, but for the most part, I need direction. Okay. I, you know, I like to know my style. I don't really pants. Okay. All right. I was just kind of curious because, um, you know, you have a lot of, it seems like you have a lot of really great backstory built into your characters that actually, I think pantsers tend to have that more. I, that I'm totally oh, making I that write, up. Like I actually write out their backstories. Um, I have a document that will have like their backstories and then try to, I, I guess the best way somebody ever that I was taught um, by someone was to write out your backstory and pretend you wrote it on a mirror and then you slam that mirror on the floor and you pick up the shards and you sprinkle them throughout. Oh, I like that. Oh, I actually really like that. Mm -hmm. It gives a really great visual of how, of like what to do and how to do it because then you're not sort of giving the info dump, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah. you're, you're definitely letting your characters, uh, you know, letting your readers learn more about your characters and their background and why they do what they do. Mm -hmm. So cool. So Paris, what's up next for you? What do you have coming up? So as I mentioned before, I have um, the third book of the series is actually releasing June, sorry, July 22nd. Um, so that'll be the third member of their unit um, who is involved in the matchmaking program. And then um, I am still first drafting a steamy romance involving a mechanic. Excellent. <laughs> Love so, it. Yeah. Love yes. it. Um, so where can readers find you on the internet? Uh, so 
I made it nice and easy. All my social media is usually at Paris Winters or backslash Paris Winters. And my website is just pariswinters.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. You are on TikTok. How's TikTok doing for you? Um, so TikTok is more of a play around for me. Um, there are some things I've done as a, you know, like book wise, like let's say book top, but I'd say the last two videos have been like, uh, you know, Loki edits. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like playing around, you know, it's just getting used to it. And I think like one of the videos that I did that had like the most likes was, um, who was it? Jackson Kenner from the originals, um, like edit that I did. So I just play around on it. I, I wouldn't say it's like strictly book talk. It's just like me having fun and, yeah. you know, I like the videos. I like following people and watching what they do and I'm a big gamer. So I'll follow like all the gaming people too. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm still trying to sort of like figure out what the hell I'm doing over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've tried, I've tried some of the book talky things like with my books and I'm like, this just feels too it. Like it just feels like, I don't like, I like Instagram because I can kind of like throw fun pictures up and memes yes. and, you know, promote other writers works, which I guess I can do on TikTok too, but it kind of, I don't know. It's, seems it seems a little bit I just harder. feel like it has a different vibe too. yeah it's a very different vibe and it's sort of like okay you, okay mostly like I mostly enjoy the goofy ones you know <laughs> yeah I mean I, like somebody told me about what was it ice planet barbarians so I started like going on TikTok and watching it and I mean I think the, the thing that drew me to like and I guess this book has taken off because of TikTok. Yes, yes. Um, I, yeah, it has. The ones that I was watching were like the people cracking up reviewing the book, like talking about the book but like were hysterical they couldn't even get the words out. So of course I'm like okay, what's so funny? <laughs> so, you know, and then like they give these things, but it's just like, I guess the enjoyment, like laughter is contagious. Right. So if you're like literally crying, laughing, trying to talk about a book, but then saying you couldn't put it down, even though it was that ridiculous of a concept, it, that gets me to go pick up the book because you have like, I enjoy laughing, you know, like to that kind of point. And I have a silly sense of humor. So I'm like, <laughs> Google, you-, you know, like Google, what is this book about? <laughs> so did you pick up a copy of the book? Um, yes, I've read through half of it and I can understand, like I've kind of in a sense laughed out loud too, because it is, you know, like I'm like people criticize me for a military matchmaking program. <laughs> this thing is just, I'm like this thing is just so out there. Like you can't even, you know. But at the same point, it reminds me of like Sharknado. <laughs> like it's such a crazy story, but you know, you kind of follow it because there's some level of enjoyment that right. you're getting out of it. Right. Cool. I might have to go pick that up. I have not seen the um, Ice Planet of the Barbarians TikTok. I will be exploring that tonight as well. <laughs> Paris, thank you so much for doing oh, no this. Problem. It's been really fun having you. Oh, thank you. It was such a fun time and I really enjoyed um, being on here and thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five-star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.